week is, uh, we just came from Shabbos, and the Shabbos was Shabbos Mevorchim Elul, and this coming Shabbos is going to be Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Elul, so it's a very special Shabbos, and the parasha, the name of the parasha is Parshas Re'eir, so we need to know and understand and appreciate the incredible empowerment when we have the month of Elul beginning on Shabbos Mavarchim, on Shabbos uh, Parshas Re'eh. Most of the years, Re'eh is the Mavarchim Elul. It's part of the blessing for Elul. But this year, it's actually part of Rosh Chodesh. The first day Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh is going to be Shabbos and Sunday. So the first day Rosh Chodesh is on Shabbos Parshas Re'eh. So we need to understand what is the uniqueness of this setting and what's its empowerment and what does it... Uh, What's the strength uh, we get out of it? We know that Elul is the most important time of the year. It's the time that we summarized last year, and we need to correct and perfect the entire year. A year in a person's life is a huge, huge piece of life. Think about that. You know, we come down into this world, we're here for a certain amount of time to accomplish to accomplish unimaginable things, but yet we're given a, a, limited, a limited period of time. After Mashiach comes, life is going to go on forever. But until Mashiach is here in the, in the, complete, in the completed state, we're given a certain section of time. We don't know how long that is. But one thing is for sure, a year is a serious chunk of time. And... Uh, as we know our nature, uh, we don't utilize time the way we should. And uh, a lot of the time goes by and it's not, it's not uh, you know, we, we haven't, we haven't uh, made out of it what we should, especially appreciating understanding the incredible strength that comes when soul and body come together. It's much, 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 much stronger than the infinite presence of the soul in the spiritual realms above. It's during this short period of time when soul and body make contact and they converge as one that we have the power to touch the essence of God and as a result of that make the biggest impact. And that's why life on earth, earth is indescribably precious. Being that that's the case, knowing how frivolous we are with time uh, because the, na the, the nature of a person is when, when we're alive, we think we're going to live forever. And therefore it doesn't feel like time is, time is running out. So when we complete a year, like we're coming to the end of this year, Tavshin Ayin Ches, especially a year that we should have and could have accomplished so much, and hopefully we will still accomplish so much, the potential for redemption in, th in this year of Ayin Ches is unbelievable. That means that our power as an individual to break out of all boundaries and to unify the world with God is like beyond, beyond, beyond. And we have a month, the good part is Hashem gave us a month in which we have extra power not just to accomplish things in this month, but to rectify the entire year. That's the beauty of the month of El. It's a month of, of a tikkun, on all the 11 months of the year, the last month on the calendar. It is also the hachana for the new year, based on the correction and the rectification 
and the elevation that we can elevate the past year. Because even the good things that we've done, we can elevate them. We're still, as long as we're still within the year, we're still connected to the past periods of time in which we have extra ability still to impact the past. Once it's Rosh Hashanah, and this year has been elevated up, so we have much less um, um, effect on these days. Let's say in five years from now we decide that I had an opportunity you know, this year to do something, and I immensely regret that I didn't do it properly, and I really, really, really think, Hasidus explains what tshuva means, and I really, really, in a very deep way, are, are feeling that if only I could have that opportunity, that meeting, or whatever it was, that I had the opportunity to do something magnificent, and I didn't do it, and I wish I had the chance to do it, and I feel that so deeply, which is an experience of tshuva, which we know we can rectify even something from the past. But we know that the ability to rectify something from the past is different when it's five years ago, or if it's still within the frame when that section of time is still down here. It hasn't yet rejoined, it hasn't yet elevated yet into the higher spheres. Rosh Hashanah by night, the entire year ascends from, from being within time and space, it is elevated to a place beyond time and space. So it's much harder than to impact it because it's outside of our reality. But as long as we're still within the year, we can still, we can still um, um, do things and affect the yesterday and the day before yesterday. Anything in the past. So that's why Elul is an extraordinary time with an extraordinary abilities. So what is the Avod of Chodesh Elul? So we ha- and what is particular that Chodesh Elul comes out on Shabbos Parshas Re'eh. So we find out there's a, tr- a tremendous empowerment, something very unique. So let's look into the month of Elul. Because Elul is a month of Tikkun of an entire year, that's why the name Elul itself reflects the all-encompassing nature of, the, of this month. We know that every month has a specific power that is unique in that particular month, and it's related to the name of the month. Every month, you know, certain months we work on, 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 on one, on Tikkun Hamidos. Let's say the month of Iyar is the month of Sefira Saomer. We, it's the month of healing. We, we, we spiritually bring healing into character. If there's any kind of character flaw. Different months in the year, we have different avoda that applies to that particular month. The month of Elul is a month in which the, we have it all include. It's 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 a very general month, and it includes everything. That's why the word Elul, both Elul and Tishrei. That's why Tishrei is the same letters as Rashis, Rosh, which means Tishrei is like Rosh Hashanah. It's the head, and just like the head includes all the powers of the person, like the brain. Similar to to that. Elul being that it's the end of the year, so the beginning and the end contain the whole thing. That's usually the rule. So Tishrei has the whole year because it's the seed of the whole year. Elul has contains the whole year because it's the conclusion of the whole year. And therefore it's the, it, it, it signs off on the whole year. So if we took a look at the month of Elul, we see what, the, what, the, uh, what it says in Svarim, Yarizal and the like, that Elul is Rosh Tevis, Ani Dodi V'dodi Li. It's a Pasuk and Shirashirim, which means I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. And what is significant, what, what, what is so general about that, is because we're not dealing with a specific, particular aspect of your Yiddishkeit. We're talking about the wholesomeness of being a Jew. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. That means I belong to God. I am a devoted servant. I am attached to Hashem, or deeper than that we're not capturing the, 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 the energy the energy the energy of this verse is speaking about it's an, it's an expression of love it comes from Shira Shirim from the, the expression of deep deep love and romance between Yidin and Hashem so Ani Lidodi means I am to my beloved it's the soul that is pouring out it's love 
And it says, Ani Lidodi, my entire being is to my beloved. I exist for God. I exist to be close to my beloved. And my beloved is to me. So that's what a Jew's life is all about. Because our Yiddishkeit is not just a sense of obligations. Our Yiddishkeit, being a Jew, means being in a relationship with Hashem. And all that you're doing is in, 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 in the scope of that relationship. So we learn Torah so that we can connect our minds to God. We learn Hashem, we, we fulfill Hashem's commandments so we can do what He wishes, what He wants of us. If you're in a relationship, you want to make the one that you love very much happy by helping them in whatever they want your help in. Right? And so on and so forth. We do kindness because we know that God loves kindness. And this is, this is, this is Hashem's, Hashem's attribute. He is kind and we should be kind. So, every, all aspects of our Yiddishkeit is all within the context of a relationship. And as we said, in all other months of the year, we highlight various different aspects of it, and therefore we're not noticing so much the essential core of it all. And that is the relationship. But on Chodesh Elul, since it's the last month of the year, we come back to the root of it. We come back to the nucleus. We come back to its inner core. And what's at the core of being a Jew? I am in love with God. Ani l'dodi v'dodi li. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. And as a result of that, if I, if, if I feel attached to Hashem, and if I'm excited about the relationship, automatically it's going to express itself in every aspect of Yiddishkeit becoming enhanced. When a Jew loves God, he wants to learn Torah. When a Jew loves Hashem, he wants to give tzedakah. When a Jew loves Hashem, he wants to pray, because in prayer, he experience, he or she experiences a deeper, he or she experiences a deeper attachment, a deeper attachment to Hashem. So that is why Chodesh Elul, uh, which is the last month in the year, its acronym, the name of the month, is something that is so all-inclusive, because it's, because it 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 it's it's all about, it's all the the it it it, it it's all, it's the general connection. You as a Jew, the it's it, it captures the full entirety of being a Jew. Being a Jew, I am my to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. However, we spoke about this many times. What is unique about the month of Elul is the order and the love. Um, being that we are, being that we are, even though we are godly souls, and souls in heaven are in a constant state of anila dodi, souls in heaven are obsessed with Hashem. They're constantly on fire. They're burning up with love for Hashem. But that's souls in heaven. When a soul comes down into a body, the body makes us forget. The coarseness of the body, the density of the physical, makes this world feel, and its pleasures and its delights, and all the stuff that the physical world have, it makes it be so real. And God becomes less of a reality, becomes more distant, more removed, more of a... If anything, it's just a concept. And sometimes it becomes just a faint concept, a distant concept. And um, so the love isn't always there. The love isn't always there. So how do you come to fire up the love? So the point is like this. The soul in essence loves God all the time. That's not a question. But the essence is the essence. The essence is not experienced. It's just, it's just buried. So it's there in the, it's legs dormant. Um, for, the, for, for the love to, to flare up and to come out, um, how does that happen? So there are two ways it can happen. One way is that God at certain times flashes a flash of light to the neshama. And that's beautiful. And we are lucky at certain times in our life that for whatever reason, maybe it's the merit of a grandparent, maybe it's the merit of a great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparent, maybe it's the merit of a mitzvah we did many years before, or maybe it's a merit of a mitzvah we did in the morning. Whatever it is, we are, for whatever reason, there is a time when God decides to peel away the barriers that 
cause such darkness in this world and shine a ray of pure divine light onto a soul and the soul inexplicably inexplicably okay inexplicably inexplicably three times now I remember the soul inexplicably warms up experiences this feeling of of, 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 of a spiritual awakening and, 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 and it's moved and it moves and, it, and that can translate into different things Something just an experience of an immense, it can experience itself as an immense love to God spontaneously, or it can experience itself as it can experience it as an immense bitterness and frustration with their status or the state of being that the person is in, and they feel an extreme frustration and they feel this deep, 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 deep urge to break free from wherever they are and what they are and to do something else and to look for something, to search or whatever it is. So that is what we call that's God initiating Hashem sparks Hashem is calling the neshama God calls the soul that could happen but then there is another another approach the other approach is that uh, the person makes the move makes the move in other words there is nothing in your life right now that is moving you towards God life is moving regularly, you have a busy life, work, family, and all kinds of other things. And you can continue. There's no reason why right now um, you should take God seriously and suddenly devote yourself and turn towards Hashem and work on finding your love towards Hashem. There's nothing happening at this moment. But where does it come from? It's because the decision that you make, what might be the decision? The decision might, meet, might, might, might be it's Chodesh Elul. And in a sense, to all Jews, it's that way. You know, everybody gets a little bit of a his Eurus. Everybody gets a little bit of Elul is coming, and Elul is a time when Anila Dodi Vidodi Li. So that call of Anila Dodi Vidodi Li, we're not going to say it's a call from above, because it's not like there's a tingling in your soul just because Elul is coming. It's now incumbent. We know that it's Elul. And we know, especially according to the teachings of Hasidus, how close Hashem is during the month of Elul. It's not just a time that we, if we want to, can do tshuva and do all kinds of rectifications. But rather we know that Melech Pesada, the king is in the field. So the king comes close, he comes in and he's just like a king when he's in the palace, it's, very, it's hard to, to, to access him. When the king comes into the field, he's accessible to all. So by the fact that we know that God is there, we make a conscious decision to seek God. And as a result of that, we will work on loving Hashem, to draw forth our love, to pump out the love. We all are capable of loving God. We all have the love within us. But if we concentrate and we do what it takes to, to, to turn on that faucet, to have the love flow, to bring the love from its deep, deep, deep core into a consciousness, into a, a feeling of love. And that is, so, and that means, Anilododi. First Anilododi. First I am to my beloved. And then Vidoidi Li, and then my beloved will be to me. So when it comes to the month of Elul, the acronym of the month of Elul is not Dodi Li Vaniloi. The acronym of the month of Elul is Anilododi Vidoidi Li. That means that when we're sitting over here now, barely a week before the month of Elul, it's time to really, 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 really consider this. The month of Elul coming and don't expect lightning bolts to come down from heaven. I mean, a good lightning uh, that, will, that will shake you and give you holy, godly vibrations. Don't expect that to happen. It's not supposed to happen and it probably will not happen. But the opportunity is here over the next five weeks, beginning Shabbos, but you can start already doing a little preparation work before Shabbos, that if each and every one of us make the decision, I want to be a higher Jew this month of Elul. I want to have a deeper connection. Each and every one could accomplish it. But it will take a little effort. It will take some work. And the work will be, I want to get closer to God. 
That's the idea. First of all, I know that I have a beloved. And who is that beloved? An all-supreme, infinite being, the creator of the world, the one that exists for all of eternity, the one that makes everything, controls everything, and he loves me with an infinite love. And he wants me to love him back. That's what he wants. He wants to experience a relationship with me. And sadly, most of the time, I ignore. Why? Because I'm just too busy with life. But now during this time, he wants a relationship. And he's begging me to come close, but he's not going to make the first move. So, I am to my beloved. You come first. first. You, step, you step up first. And the reason for that is, why is it that Hashem waits for us, as opposed for God tickling our souls and drawing us to Him? The answer is because God wants it to be real. And when Hashem triggers our love from above, then, and we're just, and we're just responding to His call, that's not real. That means that essentially, as, 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 an, as your essential, I don't mean essential essence, I mean your essential conscious, your essential, con, your, your essence of your consciousness, I don't mean your essential essence. Because in essential essence, we're all loving Hashem all the time. But our essential personality, who we are in terms of our minds and hearts, our ordinary self is a being that is not, not in tune with spirituality and a connection to God. My life is about myself. My life is about my friends. My life is my social life. My life is all the material things I enjoy. My life is about the prestige and money or all the other things that I enjoy. And God is not, much, not, not too much of an important entity in my life. It's only that, what? What can I do, you know? <laughs> God, 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 Hashem is pulling you. Hashem is pulling me, and I'm, pu- I'm being pulled, of course I'm going to respond. So the fact that a person can experience an, a feeling of love to Hashem spontaneously didn't come through work, being that it's not your truth, it's not a decision that you made, but rather you're just being pulled by this, by this godly pull. So it's, it's not really you, and therefore it's going to pass, and it's not going to last, and it's not going to make a true dent in your future life. In order for it to be a permanent change that will have deep impact, when it comes from us, it's real. And that's why the Abishter in Elul insists that we should do it on our own. Especially since, as we said earlier, Elul is so great, not just because it's a special time. Elul is great is because it's the end of a section of your life. You have a year. God gave you a year. And this is a, a, the end in which we need to rectify an entire section of life. And life is a time that God, life on earth is where Hashem gave us work to do. And that work is to build a relationship with Him in the physical. We build a relationship with God. And there has to be truth to that. In other words, in, for us to be beneficiaries of God's light, like it is in the system of Dodi Liv, Ani Lo, and we're swept up by a divine fervor and, and excitement because God is pulling us with the powerful, powerful rays of love that brings such deep sensations in our souls that we're pouring out when, in, in, and we can't contain ourselves in melting into God's love. For that, God didn't have to send our souls down to earth. For that, God sent our soul. Is, is, uh, for that, we do much better in heaven. I want to show came down into this world, into a place of darkness, into a place where Hashem is obscured, so that we can work on the relationship. And since that work is divided into 70 years, or let it be 80 years, or let it be 90 years, or 100 years, or 120 years, or whatever it is. But there's a section, there is a period of time, and that's it. There's a certain section of time that a person is given to live their life in this world and to build that relationship, that it should be true. True meaning it should be coming from us, not coming from God. That's why in the month of Elul, which the month of Elul is crucial to that experience, and it's... The month of Elul is set that way at the end of the year so that we should be able to build year by year by year by year. So that's why Elul has to fit in 
to the general theme of life, that that life down here is all about what we will do in our initiative, not waiting for the godly revelation from above. It's for that reason that the Anila Dodi is so important. So again, to summarize, when it comes month of Elul, our work is to get closer to God. How will we get closer to God? Primarily, the essence of it is to experience love to Hashem. The love that we will experience to God will translate into higher observance. The observance that it will translate into is extra Torah study, extra tzedakah, more prayer, which we know, which we've spoken about other years, are various different acronyms of the month of El. That's number one. Number two, we know that the way it's going to happen, it's going to happen through work. It's not going to happen automatically. But we have to remember that the work, if we decide we're going to do it, we have extra, extra empowerment to do it in this month. But we have to realize that it's not going to happen. If we're not willing to invest energy to come to a state of anila dodi, I am to my beloved, it's not going to happen. But if we're willing to do it, there's nothing more rewarding than that. And to think about it, that it could be that I'm 40 years old, 50 years old, or whatever, and I've been hearing this every year, but I never took it seriously. You hear it a thousand times. You maybe even learned Hasidus. You maybe even learned to my marama, but you still didn't take it seriously. What do I mean you didn't? I didn't take it seriously yet. What does it mean? No, no, really, really, really. Really, 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 I can really, really change my life and move into a whole different state. By what? By deciding that I will be closer to God. So here it comes, but then, the, then your question is, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for the work. How do I do it? How do I unearth the love? How does a person whose love is to find food, whose love is to other forms of entertainment, whose love is nice things. I love having a nice home. I love having nice clothing. I love having a nice car. I love, I don't know, I love all the, all, all the silly things that we have our loves and our attachments to. How does a heart change to start burning for God? And the answer is, Parshas Re'eh. This year particularly. Here it's where it's all at. Re'e means see. The parsha opens up this week with the words, Re'e see. God wants you to see. What does God want you to see? God wants you to see reality for what reality truly is. Re'e see. And the Pasik says, See that I am giving before you. See. That means like this. Till now, till Pasha's Re'eh, you didn't see. You heard. Last week we had Pasha's Ekev. Ekev Ekev, as a result, you listen, you heard. Here the Abishta says, listening, not good enough. For what you need now in the month of Elul, and that is a complete transformation. In other words, from the heart being attached and excited about all the narishkeit and silly things, to turn my heart to become obsessed and excited about mitzvahs, about Torah study, about, about Hashem, and that becomes the, the, the focus of my entire existence. For that transformation to happen, we need to open up our eyes and we need to see. Generally we know we are the strongest impacted by what we see. When we hear things, when we hear the news, how many times do we have situations where someone comes in and says, 
You heard what happened? There was a big earthquake in Indonesia. Nabakh, there was an earthquake just last week in Indonesia. So we hear the news, we hear someone tells it to us. And then what do we do? So we go onto our phones and we look up the news and we have to, and we have to read it. Now even if the person was there was telling us all the details or whatever happened, it's not good enough. Why is it not good enough? Because I'm not seeing it. Now, when I'm seeing it, especially if I see pictures or I see a live video, or even if it's not live, I see a video of what happened, why? Even though that you heard, you heard that this happened and, or something really good, I'm not good or bad, whatever it is. What do we want to see? Because it's not real to us until we see it. Or even if it's real, it's very semi-real. Seeing makes something very, 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 very one with you. It attaches it. When you see something, whatever it is that you saw lodges itself deep, deep, deep into your inner being. And that's why we know why we have to be so careful with what we look at. Because our vision has a huge, huge impact. As the sages say, Hearing, listening is not the same like seeing. Nothing can compare to seeing. And that's our problem. Our problem is that everything divine and holy we don't see. We don't see. The, 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 the pleasures of the world, the physical world and all of its, and all of its, all of its pleasures are... In our face, we're looking at them. Every Jew, without a shadow of a doubt, if he can see Gan Eden, if a person can see the pleasures of the world to come, if the person can visualize and see the incredible world of Mashiach, of what it looks like and what the experience is, then all of our obsession would be Mashiach. All of our obsession would be the world of Gan Eden. We wouldn't pay it. Uh, uh, we wouldn't pay a dime for Gashmias. We wouldn't even be interested. We wouldn't look at it. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't have any appeal to us. Because the pleasures of, of the spiritual, the pleasures of the divine, are so much richer and so much greater, infinitely more precious than the pleasures of the physical and the earthy things. So then why can't we take, take our nose out of that sushi plate? Why can't we pull ourselves out of the, these material, physical things? that we get so caught up in? The answer is, as great as it is described to us, the spiritual world and the spiritual reality, it's still something that we cannot see. And since we don't see it, it's not real to us. It isn't real. It's a fantasy. It's, it's, a, distant, it's a distant reality. It's not, it's not real. Gashmias is very real. Like the holy Bardichev, or Levi Yitzhak Bardichev once said to the Abishter, Abishter! It's not fair, he said. You took, you took um, the, 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 the Ganeiden and you took the Gehenim and you put it into Sefer Reish's Chachma. There's a book, Reish's Chachma, which in Reish's Chachma describes all the Hecholais that there are in Ganeiden. And it also describes all the chambers that there are in Gehenim. And, um, all right. And he says, that's where that book is. It's, it's all descript, described in that book. And all the pleasures of this world and even the forbidden pleasures... You placed it in front of our eyes constantly. So it's not fair, he says, had you done the opposite and given us in front of our eyes Torah and mitzvahs, holiness and godliness would be spread out everywhere. And in order for us to sin or do something bad, we would have to go take out the big book of sin and go read up, look, look up a certain chapter of sin and decide this is the sin I want to do and read about it until we develop within ourselves an appetite for that kind of a sin. There would be sinners, I can probably, I promise you, even then there would be sinners, but they would be far, far fewer than in the situation. The problem that we mostly have is that elokus, getlachkeit, godliness and holiness, godliness and holiness are concepts to us. Things that we hear about, there's no, they're not, they don't have a concreteness they don't have a concreteness because we don't see them. So the message of Pasha Sura is the Abishter says, you need to upgrade your consciousness by making godliness and the holy and Torah and mitzvahs and my reality someone that you see. How can you be in love? How can you be in love with a person who you never met? You can't. It's a halacha. It's a halacha. You know, when a, when, a, when, a, when a person gets married, 
So in the olden days, they hardly met. Hassan and Kala hardly met. You know, it was made through a matchmaker. They got married, one, two, three. But the halacha says that they do have to see each other at least once. At least once. <laughs> Why? Because if you don't see, then, 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 ah, you'll say even then, they saw it for five, five minutes, can they have love for each other? At, at least there was vision. At least you saw her. At least she saw. She saw him. There was a vision. Without seeing. So we're talking about a romance with God and a being that's invisible. What do you think in the olden days it was so enticing for the, for the idolaters to have all their gods. Everybody wants to worship something. But they, they, but they, 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 they what, what, what made it so enticing, idolatry, was they had something tangible that they can see. Right? They had this idol, that thing, there's something, something physical. Here the Jewish people have an invisible God. It's very hard to love an invisible entity that you don't see. And it, so even if you can be smart and recognize him in your brain... But love, to have an emotional reaction, especially when we're talking about passion and fervor, and especially if that relationship calls for a person to drop all other attachments and make this attachment and this connection supersede over everything else, and that I should devote my entire life to a relationship with a being that I don't know, it's almost impossible. So during the year when what's mainly expected of a person is certain obligations. You're obligated this and you're obligated that. And every month we focus on another element in our relationship with the Eberster and our, and our obligation. Obligations you can do because you're committed. You can do it out of commitment. But when it comes Chodesh Elul, here it's not enough commitment. In the month of Elul, in the month of Elul, the Eberster wants us to fall in love with him all over again. So it's not about just about commitment. It's about, it's about God being so real that I can love him. For that, the Torah says, now you need to upgrade your Yiddishkeit, your spirituality, to a level of vision. Re'e But you ask the question, <laughs> how can you see? If God doesn't have any form... It says beferish in the Torah, isem kol You didn't see any form, you didn't see any, 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 any image. So how can you love him? You can imagine God as this beautiful prince or handsome prince or something. What, 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 what are you imagining? What are you looking at? What's this idea of seeing him? And the answer is that the Eibushter gives us the ability to see him. By Matan Torah, Rav Shneur Zalman of Liadi says, By Matan Torah, Anoichi, when Hashem said, Anoichi, Hashem Aloikecha, Hashem Anoichi, Noisein, by Anoichi, Hashem Aloikecha, God gave Himself. Anoichi, Hashem transmitted Himself, His essence, into our soul. And our Kabbal, when we were Makabal, it says that by Aseris Adibris, the Jewish people received every Dibor. The Kabbalah means we absorbed it. We absorbed it. It means that God entered into our being, that God could be fully real, like someone you see. So it's a gift from above. You're right. Only a Jew can experience God in this way of Ria, of vision. Because by Matan Torah Hashem, that's why by the giving of the Torah we know, we, we saw what is usually heard and we heard what is usually seen. And the deeper meaning is the world that is something that we usually see, we heard about. It, wasn't, it didn't have the reality, the, the concreteness of something very real. We heard that there was a creation, there's a world. What we saw in front of our eyes was Hashem. But by Matan Torah was a gift from above. By Matan Torah was a gift from above. But after the giving of the Torah, God, Hashem gives it to each and every one of us that if we decide to discover the Anoichi Noisein, the Hashem that has given Himself to each and every one of us, we could come to a state of Riyah, of vision. But how does that work practically? And the answer is, here's the idea. The idea is one thing. And that is the only way we can really enter into the Chodesh Elul and make the most out of it and to really be in a higher place and as a result of that, elevate the whole year 
and deeper than that, elevate our entire life and fulfill our purpose of why we're here in this world. So we're talking about some serious, 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 important things in our life. To fulfill our purpose of why we're here in this world is dependent on the next few minutes in the class. So what is it that we need to do? What is it that we need to do? What we need to have is a complete reality shift. That's what it means. It means that we... It means that we... Redefine what we're seeing. We train our eyes to look differently. And when we train our eyes to look differently, yes, we see God. You can see, literally see God. How can you see God? God is not, doesn't have an image and a shape. Yes, you see God in the world. And you see that the world and everything you see is nothing other than Hashem. That's the vision. The vision is that God is the only reality. And therefore He, he is His existence. And therefore everything that I see is nothing but Him. That's the way to see Hashem. It's not closing your eyes and, 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 and dismissing a world. No, it's opening your eyes. But first closing your eyes for a couple of minutes. Closing your eyes so that we can remove the definitions that we have given. When, when we see something, as it enters in our brain, we interpret it. And our interpretation that we've interpreted, what we see naturally, we've been doing it for all of our life. 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, whatever age you are. You interpret the, 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 the pictures that are coming in, you interpret it one way. So all that needs to be reinterpreted. What's the reinterpretation? The reinterpretation is as follows. To recognize the A, the Pasuk says, the Ebershter says, Nasati lefanecha, I have given before you as a mother's death and bad and evil, as a chayim vesatov, life and goodness, you should choose life. And everybody obviously knows which person would choose death. I mean, why does God have to command us choose life? I have to choose life. Of course. So the answer is obviously, we're not talking about a life that most people interpret as life. Most people interpret life means life. Physical life, life, that's life. So if you, if, if, if you have an opportunity to eat poison, or you have an opportunity to, good, to eat something that's not poison and healthy and good, so of course you're going to eat what's healthy and good, you're not going to eat the poison. So they're telling you a person, choose life if you know this is poison. But then there is something deeper. And what's the deeper reality? And that is that physicality on its own doesn't have any... What's life? Life is what truly exists. What is. Something that, that truly is, and is, and is, and is, if it truly is, why would it not be here tomorrow? If it's not here tomorrow, is a sign that it's not truly here today. So the true meaning of life is something that's here tomorrow, and it's here after tomorrow, and it's here after, after tomorrow. And in a sense, it's here forever. Only something that's truly here forever is true life. If it's not here forever, then it isn't true life. Because if it's one day not going to be, so why isn't it existing then? It's because it, uh, it never really had a true existence. So life means what is... That's why the Pasuk always associates Chayim with Emes. Hashem Elohim Chayim Hu Elohim Emes. Because life means something that's true. And true means something that... If it's true, means it's real. If it's real, then it has true existence and it exists forever. And here's the idea. When we look at ourselves, I'm giving a simple example... When we look at our body and our soul, we interpret life as a living body. And we love our bodies. We love ourselves. 
And when we love ourselves, means we love our body. But when we give it a little bit deeper thought, we have to come to the conclusion that what's really, really, really alive and what's really truth in us is our soul, not our body. We love our children very much. We love our parents very much. We love our family, friends. We have a... And I'm sorry for being a little morbid. When a person passes away, God forbid, and the body is there, I mean, of course there's an affection to the body in the sense that you want to take care and respect the body, but because we all know it's an empty shell, there's no one there. The body without the soul is an empty shell and there's no one there. That means there's no truth. The real being, when we really, really love someone, you're really loving their soul. But while the person is alive, the soul is enclosed in the body that we interpret that reality and that being, that person that we know as the body. Because it's the soul now manifesting and shining through their eyes, through their face, through their facial, facial, facial features or whatever it is. So that's how we, we're, we're, we're connecting to that person. But, but the body is just, is just the, the chitzonius, the external container for a soul that's really, really, truly alive. Now what happens after 120 years? The soul goes out of the body and being that the soul is godly, the soul exists forever because the soul is true. It's real. So the neshama goes on living forever and ever and ever. And what happens to the body? The body hangs around for a little while and after a while it begins to disintegrate until it doesn't exist anymore. And let's take it even a step deeper. Even when the soul is in the body and the soul is in the body, the body starts aching and disintegrating, you know, as you're moving through your life. You start feeling pains and aches in different parts of your body that were not at all noticeable to you before. They didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't, um, you didn't hear from them because everything in the body was so well oiled and uh, worked really well. Then you started hearing the aching and the creaking and whatever it is, bones, uh, uh, whatever, I don't know, I don't want to get into it. Whatever it is. <laughs> There is, there is some grinding and, and, and whatever. Things are not moving so smoothly. The body begins to, 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 to decay. It's not the same like a young, healthy body. And the older the person gets, of course it, takes, it depends on how well you take care of your body, the more the body starts coming apart. And that's a sign that the body is a vessel for life, but it's not life. The body is a container where life is happening, but it's not life. And it itself is a dead thing. And that's why it's constantly dying. It's, it's, an, it's in one state of slow decay, slow disintegration. And it continues much faster, of course, after the soul leaves the body, there's nothing left of it. But the human being, the person you love, that person is alive forever and ever. That being, the true being, the soul of that being, the spirit... You know of your relative person knows their father, their mother, their grandmother that they loved so much. There's no doubt in your mind that your damn grandmother is fully, fully the same who she was, fully alive, fully somewhere else in a different realm. Because the soul is real. The soul is godly. It's attached to a being that's true and real and eternal. Physicality doesn't have any real life. There is life that's inside of it, but it itself is an element of death. But it's, it's, it's very, very, very deceptive. Because just like as we said before, when a person is alive in the physical body, it's very easy to see that person just as a physical, as a physical being and not attribute their, their life to their soul. For ourselves as well. Let's look at it this way. We all know we have our soul needs and we have our body needs. And how many times do we forget the reality that our body is just a, a, a container for the soul? So why would, you, why would you invest so much time and effort in, 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 in the needs of the body and neglect the needs of the soul who is your true being 
your being of eternity, who you've been forever and ever, and will be forever and ever, which is your nesham. But that's a deception. The physical, why? Because as we said earlier, the soul we don't see, the physical we see. So physicality that we see so much, because, it's, because if it's available to, the, to our physical perception, becomes very real to us. So once we realize that, so what we really need to do is redefine reality. When we can truly, truly appreciate and truly clarify in our own minds that the spiritual and the godly is real and it's absolute and it's alive and it's true and it lives forever and ever and that's the true existence. And then there is something that's essentially dead and therefore meaningless, lacking any truth to it, lacking any, any durability, any permanence to it. And it's not like, it's not like it doesn't exist. It exists. But what is it? What's, what's the existence of 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years compared to light, to, to eternity? Nothing. It's literally nothing. So the fact that, it, that, it, that the, body, the body is around for that period of time or physicality doesn't have it. There's nothing true to it, nothing real. And when I realize that, when I can appreciate that, then godliness, neshama, my life, my relationship to the Abishter is becomes important. But again, it's not the idea that it, mentally, intellectually, I realize that my nishama is alive and my body is a temporary thing. No, 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 no. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the realization that we're talking about the realization that even when I'm seeing physicality and I'm seeing the physical world, I realize that the true nature and energy and life of the physical world, of my physical body, or the world around me that's a big, huge body, and everything in this world that's moving, everything that's alive within this world is only alive because there is a spiritual power, a godly power that's its soul, and that's alive. And when we think about that, and when we give that thought, even just... A couple of seconds a day. If we really give that thought for a couple of seconds a day, dafka not in a abstract way, but really, really picture something physical that you see, a tree, the ocean, the movement in the sky of the sun, the moon, the galaxies. Okay, we can't really see that in its movement, but you could see the sun shining light, or the moon, or your physical body, or, or an animal, or the wind blowing, or a butterfly, or a bird, or anything that you see that's alive. And you stop and you visualize and think about the idea that the truth of that life that's there is the spiritual power that's in it. And the spiritual power that's in it is one spiritual power that's enlivening and is the soul of all of the world and all of the cosmos. And that's a singular God that's creating everything and giving it life and He is truth and life. And when we start looking at physical things that way and see that the, then we stop, in other words, then the, the physicality starts becoming transparent. You're not noticing the physical shell of it. You're noticing and, and you're seeing Hashem. Because you're not looking at the physical as physical. You're looking and penetrating to the soul of the physical, which is the spiritual. And then suddenly... God becomes someone you start seeing, not someone that you hear about. They told you in Cheder there is a God that, you know, that's not enough. 
a God from Cheder that you heard when you were a child in school. A God, that God is great, but it's distant, it's far, it's removed. There's no way you're going to love that God. But if you can stand at the beach and watch those waves crashing in and see the power of Hashem, see it with your eyes while you're watching the waves. See that's the power of the Abishter, those powerful waves moving across. Wow. That's Re'eh. So what's the Avod in Chodesh El? The Avod in Chodesh level is to come to love Hashem. In a manner that you don't have to wait till God is going to set the fireworks for you and your soul. In a manner that you are going to feel love to Hashem. You're going to make the love. You're going to bring yourself to love. But how are you going to do it? Just recognize God. And how to recognize God? God is lovable. Why? Because God is life. And we all love life. We love life more than anything else. And when we realize God is life, God is reality, then we love Him. It's not possible. It's, I don't love, I hate God. What do you mean? We, 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 love exi- we love being alive. We love beingness. And if we're upset at God, why? Because chas v'shalem, God, God forbid something terrible happened in our life, or God forbid a terrible tragedy, something seriously happened, that's why we're upset at Hashem. But why are we upset at God? We're upset at God because something in our being went wrong. But if I don't like being, then why am I upset that something in my being went wrong? In other words, if I have a life, and I have parents, and I have a family, and I have a whole reality, and then something in that reality went and terribly wrong, so people walk around with an anger and upsetness against God. I mean, I'm not judging anybody. But think about it. That very self that they're upset at God is because really it's really coming from a, from, from a deeper place of love. They're really loving what? They love their life and they love their, their being. And in the, the, part of that being and that reality is their life with their family and so on and so forth. And because that, God forbid, was messed up, so now they're, they're, they're so hurt by it being messed up. But they love being. And who is the being? Who is that? that God is the only being. So any kind of being you're in that, you're, that, 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 that you love means you're loving Hashem. Ah, but the trappings that there are in this world is that instead of seeing that the, the one power that's empowering everything and, tr- and directing our love to that singular essence that creates all of existence we become, God forbid, disconnected from that and love the little pieces of existence which are make-believe existences because they don't really exist other than that singular power that's in it. And we attribute beingness to that. And that becomes our excitement and our passion. So, the on- so not the only way, but the most efficient way to come to a real love of Hashem of and in a special empowerment that we have this year is through a method of re'eh. So this is not something that is distant and removed from each and every one of us. I think this is something that is literally, and I'm, I'm excited to be talking about this now a week before the month of Elul because I'd like to do a, a um, program with everybody that's listening to this year, whether you're here tonight, whether you're listening to this on the recording, or through Facebook, or whatever, however you're listening on this thing, here's a little, here's a little exercise, which we'd lo- I'd like to do. And that is, it's going to be our Elul exercise. We will take, and we'll build, a couple of seconds, a day, to, to have this, this meditation exercise. And that is to imagine something, and you, you pick whatever that is, whether you want to think about the world at large, I think it's better if you focus on one particular thing that is very real to you. You can think about yourself, about your body, and think just for a couple of seconds how this reality called me and my life or whatever it is has no existence other than the will of Hashem or the words of God that are the true power and essence of this existence. And think about it to the point, just for a few seconds, 
let's start the first day of the month of Elul for 30 seconds. And then we're going to make, being that it, no one should think that this is impossible, so let's make it very, very small. Every day in the month of Elul, again, I am going to do this. So if you want to join me, you can do this. This is a 30-second meditation at the beginning of the day for the first day. The second day of the month of Elul, it's going to be 40 seconds, and then you're going to add 10 seconds every day. So by the time the end of Elul comes and you're close to Rosh Hashanah, it's going to be about a three-minute meditation. Not longer than that. Okay? That's all that it is. Maybe three, four minutes, I didn't do the math. So you're going to meditate just at the beginning of the day on this idea that Hashem is life. And you're going to try to see it when you're looking at something. It can be anything. You're looking at that thing, you see that it's power. First of all, it's very substance, it's very existence. If you want to think about the molecules and the neutrons and electrons, and all that is coming together and moving, that's because God's there. But if you're not so scientific, and you just want to see in general, so look at something. You know, think about a powerful storm coming by, and the clouds moving and the rain dropping, and see that there is no rain and no clouds and no nothing. It's just a singular power of God that is now expressing itself through rain and clouds and coming on the ground and causing everything to grow and so on and so forth. Maybe one day go out and sit in the sun for a few minutes and then feel the sun rays warming you and think about it. There is no truth to the sun other than the infinite power of God that enclosed itself in a finite sun and emanates these powerful rays in which that ray right now is coming upon me. And without these rays of the sun, life wouldn't be possible. And this is God making life be possible through the rays of the sun. So who is God? God is the sun. Not that the sun is God, but God is the sun, just like God is the rain and God is the sky. Hashem is the power behind everything. And you can do that with whatever Indian it is, with your body, your thing, everything, every reality. And when we meditate on that, and again, just short, you start with 30 seconds, 40 seconds, 50 seconds. Set your little clock, shouldn't go over that time. Just do it, but do it in the beginning of the day. And you'll see that slowly but surely, I have no doubt, our days will change. Our focus and our connection and our attachment to that. Because if you don't give God two seconds of thought, how are we expected to love it? How are we expected to experience an Anila Dodi? So to have an Anila Dodi, we can put in this effort. And I guarantee you, everything will be different. So here's our, as Hashem, you'll uh, send me a um, feedback how it's going during the month of Elul. Um, or during a when the exercise is over, and um, and let me know how it went, because I think this little little change will make all the difference. I've never done it before in the month of El. This is going to be my work. I'm not doing longer than you. Just the same thirty seconds, Bezos Hashem, and Bezos uh, Hashem. Um, maybe that's all it's needed to make God real enough for us. And hopefully that reality as it becomes real to us will become real in the entire world and we merit that we should really be able to see. The will give us the ultimate bracha, the bracha of the Geula Amitis Vashlema. May we merit to see it now, now, and now. Oh,